Welcome to Beyond Toast, Episode 7, Paperback Writer. Welcome to Beyond Toast. I'm Mike Weston and this is the podcast where Toastmasters indulge their two greatest passions, food and language. And I'd like to start this week's episode with a reading. Ode to the Onion by Pablo Neruda Onion, luminous flask, your beauty formed petal by petal. Crystal scales expanded you, and in the secrecy of the dark earth, your belly grew round with dew. Under the earth, the miracle happened, and when your clumsy green stem appeared, and your leaves were born like swords in the garden, the earth heaped up her power, showing your naked transparency. And as the remote sea, in lifting the breasts of Aphrodite, duplicating the magnolia, so did the earth make you, onion, clear as a planet, and destined to shine, constant constellation, round rows of water upon the table of the poor. You make us cry without hurting us. I have praised everything that exists, but to me, onion, you are more beautiful than a bird of dazzling feathers. Heavenly globe, platinum goblet, unmoving dance of the snowy anemone, and the fragrance of earth lives in your crystalline nature. That's a beautiful tribute to a humble vegetable that's at the core of so much of our cooking. And speaking of which, who's at the core of this episode? Let's introduce our guest, Nick Ronald. Nick, please introduce yourself. Hi Mike. Yes, I'm Nick Ronald. I'm a copywriter, so I write copy for small media businesses, for, for their social media, their website, their articles, and I help people get more business and more engagement and, and increase their brand. So I've been doing this for around 25 years. I've had my background is marketing communications and I'm generally passionate about it. I love writing. I'm also a member of a Toastmasters club. So I'm a member of MLP London Bridge Speakers and I'm president of that club. Uh, yeah, that keeps me very busy as well. I imagine stepping up to be president at this particular juncture in time must be a particular challenge. It is, yes. I think the... COVID situation and the lockdown has certainly provided many challenges with getting people to engage and then getting people to come along. I think some people have transitioned to the online world very easily and some are more reluctant and, and some just prefer the, or are waiting to be able to be going to some physical meetings. So yeah, definitely some challenges there. And also interesting, copywriting. I mean, do you find there's a significant overlap between what you do in Toastmasters and the creation of speeches and in the copywriting? And are these mutually beneficial skill sets? 100%. Most of us are pretty good at communicating. And if you ask people, you know, what they do or what they're passionate about, what they're interested in, you know, people can clearly say, but I think the, the skill is in influencing, getting people to our call of action, which is so important in life. Because if you, you know, if you want to get a job or get promotion, you have to be able to influence your interviewers or your boss. And if you want to get customers, you've got to also influence them to buy your product or service. So, and I think it all comes down to there's only two ways you can do that, either by speaking, whether it's in a presentation, in a speech, an interview, podcast, 
or, or by writing, whether it's writing a social media, an article, a blog. Obviously, they're clearly linked because if we give a speech in Toastmasters, we write that speech 99% of the time. We're going to write that speech down first before we, before we give it. So, yeah, speaking and writing are the two, two key skills to communication and influence. And, and yeah, 100% they are linked. And from my own experience, becoming a better speaker has helped me to become a better writer and vice versa. Excellent. You were talking about passions there, and now this is the segment of the episode where we get into those passionate memories, those memories that just can't leave us, of that time where we came across a food that every other food is benchmarked against. It's the standard that nothing else can reach. So, Nick, what's your favourite food memory? question do love food I'm a bit of a foodie and pre-lockdown I used to go out regularly to restaurants and then I love cooking at home my food memory I think is of, of comfort food you know so when I was growing up my mother used to cook a lot and she would cook from scratch and she used to make some of her own marmalade and make her own pickles from, from fruit we had in our garden cold pickles warm chutney and hot jam by Michael Rosen one year Mum made pickled new green cucumbers, and the house smelt of vinegar and peppercorns all the way from the front door to my bedroom. Whoever came to the house went away with a jar of the pickled new green cucumbers, even the man who read the gas meter. The next year, Mum made green tomato chutney, and the house smelt of vinegar and hot tomatoes all the way from the front door to my bedroom. Whoever came to my house went away with a jar of the green tomato chutney. Even the man who painted the windows. Last year, Mum made gooseberry jam, and the house smelt of melting sugar and fruit juice, all the way from the front door to my bedroom. Not many of the people who came to the house got a chance of the jar of that gooseberry jam. So for me, it's comfort food. It's puddings, traditional puddings, like bread butter pudding, crumbled with custard, various pies, that sort of thing. But those are my, my really instant, as soon as I smell those or see pictures of those, it's, it creates strong memories of, you know, real comforting feelings of eating when I grew up. Absolutely, yes. Nothing takes you back like that sort of smell of bread and butter pudding. The right. richness, the butteriness, and then just that, that texture of the bread as it kind of just Gives away. Oh, yes, yes. I can imagine. Yeah, and it takes me back 20, 30 years. I mean, that is definitely the joy of a real food memory. A Sonnet to Bread and Butter Pudding by Dean Bottomley If you would have the route to grand success, so you will know that always you will win, take butter 50 grams, no more, no less, then slices five of bread and put that in. A buttered dish, so that it will not burn, Break two large eggs in two hot double cream, and three fifty mils of milk and beat and turn, a pinch of cinnamon to make a dream. With nutmeg to create the taste that tells, lay bread layers, sultanas in between, pour eggs and milk with sugar in as well, slowly over the bread, perfect cuisine. For forty-five minutes in oven hot, then perfect bread and butter you have got. 
Now, you've talked about comfort food. Is there any comfort food that you turn to yourself? If you've had a stressful day, if the words aren't flowing, whether it be Toastmasters or whether it be coffee writing, is there something you just think, well, you know, this will pick me up? I do like curries and have one bit. I've been down some Africa and Asia and around the world, different countries and cultures do different types of curries. But it's something I love and I love experimenting. So I, my favourite is, is the Thai curry with a, the coconut milk and the spices and the, the lemongrass. And the, but um, I, I'll do my own variation of that. But I'm telling you, if, if I'm stressed, I like to make myself a, a, a curry. I think the, the act of cooking for me, I find quite distressing. And then, of course, eating it afterwards is an added bonus. I can absolutely get on board with that. I mean, normally, if I'm feeling a wee bit under the weather, I will get myself the hottest vindaloo I can and just get those endorphins pumping, get those tastes, get those flavours. It bucks me right up. So, yeah, absolutely. I think curry's got to be up there amongst one of the top comfort foods. Curry by Ian McMillan It's history and culture on a plate. It's diversity served with rice. You can eat it early or late, and it's never the same thing twice. Because curry is an endless delight, an old dance of flavour and spice, a new experience night after night, and it's never the same thing twice. And the world should run in curry, now wouldn't that be really nice? Although you might have to move in a hurry, because it's never the same thing twice. And the globe should turn and spin on curry, take my advice, live in a world that's got curry in, and it'll never be the same world twice. And while curry might be a thing of infinite variety, there is one thing that does not change, and that is, each week, we make time for Mike's Eat of the Week. When the lockdown started, there were many people rushing around, trying to fill up their stockpiles at home so they wouldn't run out of key things during the pandemic. Toilet paper was in short supply. Surprisingly flour. Pasta. Many things suddenly disappeared off the shelves. But I wasn't interested in any of those things. There was one thing that I couldn't do without, and I had to make sure I had plenty stored away. And that was cheese. Now that shouldn't be too surprising for anyone who's listened to more than a handful of episodes. But yes, I had to make sure that I had a nice, ready supply of cheese tucked away in the fridge. And so it was, I had chunks of cheddar, blocks of brie, and goodly slices of gorgonzola and some other sundry cheeses. My hoard was so substantive that even with my daily bagel with cheese, I had merely made a dent in it. I therefore resolved that something must be done about my growing cheese mountain. My plans were somewhat put on hold because of the hot weather, but as soon as there was the merest break in the heat wave, I grabbed the packet of gnocchi that had been the last left in the supermarket, threw it in a pan, fried it in butter, made a nice cheese sauce, fried up some mushrooms and some green beans and some spinach, threw it all together in a pot with some black pepper and chilli, and it was a rich, decadent feast for the senses and a very fitting, hopefully, final hurrah for my lockdown larder. We're now moving on to our Fantasy Meal for Four segment. So this is your opportunity to create a, a lavish feast with yourself and three other guests. So I'd really like to know, who would those three guests be? Where would you go? And what would you eat?
a great question. Wow. I would say my three guests would be Tony Robbins, the speaker and motivational speaking coach. Uh, he was in a Netflix documentary called I'm Not Your Guru. And whether you like a lot of people, we love him or hate him, but a successful person speaking to audiences of 15,000 people or more. So, and I've been to his events and he's clearly very good at what he does and very passionate and very, you know, very skilled speaker and, and influencer and he understands psychology. And I think maybe top of my list. Next, Barack Obama. Not because his politics necessarily, I think, is a great character. He was very good at giving speeches and certainly as, as a person, he seemed to have a good sense of humour. I'm sure he has some good, interesting stories to tell at a dinner party. My third person probably be an actor because I'm really into films. I love films. Well, I watch a lot of films. One of my passions. So there's a lot. Of, there's so many. It'd be hard to narrow it down to one. I think if I had to pick one, I might pick a Harrison Ford because two films that he was in are, are top my films list. It's Blade Runner, the original, and and the Star Wars films. You know, he's, he's someone I I know for the films. I think it'd be great to get him in the on the party. Food-wise, and where we'd eat, I mean, it's sort of always fancy trying. It's very unusual is wherever you eat in the sky. You see a table and they winch you up, hanging from a crane. So I think that'd be just totally crazy. So if I was going to have a crazy dinner party of crazy guests, why not have it there? They can't escape then. There's nowhere they can go. So I haven't had a rap audience. <laughs> <laughs> and if I was to choose the food, well, I quite like the idea... Obviously, I love curries, so, so maybe incorporate that. But, but I love the idea of sort of lots of dishes, lots of tapas, you know, the Spanish style. Perhaps I have some good wine or beer and lots of little dishes and we, we can drink, eat. That is absolutely fantastic. I mean, that is what tapas is there for after all, isn't it? I mean, it, it's exactly. there to be shared. It's there to start discussions. Tony Robbins, an obvious one. You can't throw a stone at a Toastmasters meeting without hitting someone who's been inspired by Tony Robbins you know, one way or another. And definitely, you know, he's a powerful figure on the scene. But again, you're obviously trying to stack up the influencers there with Barack Obama, just the tips you would pick up. And yeah, I'm with you on Harrison Ford. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Blade Runner. I mean, just that kind of sheer run of films that he had. He's a very down-to-earth person in real life as well. So, I mean, started off no, as a carpenter. Definitely. Oh. fell into it so yeah i mean I, that to me does sound like a fantastic way of doing it you lost me as soon as you said lifting it into space that's that <laughs> right I mean, i'm sure they would i'm sure none of them would have a problem and they're quite adventurous <laughs> <laughs> now you've, you've made this bit difficult for yourself because we now move on to our bad guest moment at every dinner party there is always one guest who's either got carried away in the moment or maybe had too much of the beer or wine and strays into one of the unforgivable subjects that should never be discussed, certainly not at Toastmasters, those are, of course, politics, religion, and sex. Fate has chosen you this time, so you have to talk about one of these subjects. So which one it would be, and why? Oh, politics, religion, or sex. Three very, yeah, sensitive subjects, certainly for a dinner party. If I had to choose one, I would talk about... I would like to think that I'm interested in politics. I do have strong opinions. I'm not, I'm not an extreme, I'll say I'm sort of middle left, passionate about certain big issues. And I'd like to think that I could rationally and calmly discuss politics, put across my, my arguments. So if I had to choose one, I would say politics. 
Yeah, it's an impossible question. <laughs> and there is never a good answer to get your way out of it. So I think, yeah, politics is always a good one. I think there's no one shares exactly the same levels of opinion. So there's always fruitful ground for some start of a discussion. Whether that discussion goes somewhere positive, always a difficult thing to say. But a good choice. Now, unfortunately, yes, as the bad guest, you've been ejected from the party, which in your case, as it was hanging so 100, 100 feet above the ground. Parachute <laughs> yeah. So that, that parachute down gives you time to dwell on your, your choices and think about maybe what guilty pleasure you will turn to when you land on the ground. Guilty pleasure. Well, I'm quite into movies and, and I'm quite into craft beers. So I'm not a great drinker, but um, I do like all the breweries. It's a bit of a challenge for me to you know, find what I haven't tried before. And the more unusual the name, the better. So, so my guilty pleasure would be to have a, a craft beer. I've been viewing a mini cinema, um, so I'm actually passionate about films. So that would, that would be definitely my guilty pleasure every time. That sounds good to me. I mean... It... Just hearing you say that takes me back to my student days and going to the Cameo in Edinburgh and I had a bar and you're going to get your beer and you sit down and it'd be the midnight showing. You'd be sat there, a couple of beers, watch whatever was up. And it was just a great experience all around. So, yes, I mean, my only thing would be, I don't think there's enough guilty about that. I think that sounds perfect. <laughs> maybe if you had maybe one, one too many beer, that might, be, that might start making uh-huh. it count. So thanks for that, Nick. Strong Beer by Robert Graves. What do you think the bravest drink under the sky. Strong beer, said I. There's a place for everything, everything, anything. There's a place for everything where it ought to be. For a chicken, the hen's wing. For poison, the bees sting. For almond blossom spring, a beer house for me. There's a prize for everyone, everyone, anyone. There's a prize for everyone, whoever he may be. Crags for the mountaineer, flags for the fusilier, for English poets, beer. Strong beer for me. Tell us now how and when we may find the bravest men. A sure test, an easy test. Those that drink beer are the best. Brown beer strongly brewed. English drink and English food. Oh, never choose as Gideon chose by the cold well. But rather those who look on beer when it is brown. Smack their lips and gulp it down. Leave the lads who tamely drink with Gideon by the water brink. But search the benches of the plough, the tun, the sun, the spotted cow, for jolly rascal lads who pray, pewter in hand at close of day, teach me to live that I may fear the grave as little as my beer. We're coming to the close, so really I'd like to thank you for coming in. Is there anything you'd particularly like to promote? There is. So I'm a, I'm a copywriter. I am really passionate about it. I mean, I, lo- I love writing. I've what I've always done. I do believe it's such an important skill, particularly if you want your own business, but also for anyone. So I've got a Facebook group called the Number One Copywriting Community, and I share regular tips, uh, hacks, resources, links, videos, you know, on, on how to improve your skills to be a better writer, but also how to write influence. So how to, how to write to get people to buy a product or service, follow you like you I urge you, if you're interested at all, check it out, join the group, and I will, I will offer you as much value as I can. So, number one, copyright community on Facebook. I'll be sure and add a link to that in the show notes so that people can check you up on that. Thanks again, Nick, for coming along and sharing all of your wonderful memories. 
I look forward to maybe sharing a pint once the lockdown is over. I'm a great fan of Real Ale too. So thank you very much for coming along. Thank you, Mike. That was great to be on your show. And yeah, I'll chase you for that drink post-lockdown. Thank you, Mike. Excellent. Something to look forward to. And I hope you'll be looking forward to next week's episode. If you've any comments or questions in the meantime, then please do contact me at info at beyondtoast.uk or through Twitter at beyond underscore toast underscore UK. If you are enjoying the podcast, then please do consider rate, reviewing and subscribing at Acast or Apple Podcasts. And do check out other works by the poets mentioned in the episodes. So until next week, thanks for listening and it's goodbye from Beyond Toast.